welcome to the next episode of Malden Reads Fahrenheit 451. This is a companion podcast for the NEA Big Read Malden, coordinated through Malden Reads One City, One Book. I'm your host, Ann Derso Rose, a Malden Reads co-facilitator, and I'm so thrilled to have with me on the podcast today, the mayor of Malden, Gary Christensen. Mayor Christensen has served for... Two terms? Two terms Eight years. as mayor of Malden, and he continues to approach his job with the enthusiasm and energy of a first-year mayor. He has been a steadfast supporter of so many community groups and organizations in the city, and that includes Malden Reads. Mayor Christensen has not only attended many of our events throughout our 10-year history, but every year he has been leading a book discussion on the selected book at the Malden Public Library. Welcome, Mayor Christensen, and thank you for being such a great supporter of Malden Reads and for being such an active participant in our program. It's the other way around. Thank you for what you're doing. If it wasn't for this, we're not here today, and um, that's why I so eagerly accepted uh, being here this evening, even though I'm going from here to the warming center where I'm doing the 6.30 at 10.30 shift. I wanted to make time uh, just to let you know, because sometimes in the hustle and bustle we don't get the opportunity as we would like to say thank you to uh, groups like Malden Reads for making a difference. Well, thank you so much. Um, so, Fahrenheit 451, what was your history with it? Did you know the book before? No, and I think that's another reason I wanted to be here, to let your listeners know that's the beauty of Malden Reads. I am certain I would not have uh, read the book if it wasn't for uh, Malden Reads coordinating uh, this effort throughout the city. Um, and so, as always, when the book was announced, I uh, purchased a copy and uh, read it, and now I'm ready to talk about it. So, uh, what did you think? Just a reminder of, you know, sometimes how good we have it. Uh, we tend to forget, you know, just you know, the opportunities that we have to read and learn and grow and share. And uh, I thought that's what I took from the book. What would a world, what would it be like without that ability to do so? And after I was done reading it, I took a step back and, you know, appreciated uh, just what we have, the ability to do here in Malden and beyond. Mm, yeah, it definitely is a reminder of that. And we've talked a bit about how it's got two sides to it. Part of it is... Um, Part of it is that over time, the other media has replaced reading and people just stopped reading of their own accord. They're just taking in other kinds of media that don't allow their brain to think in the same way. Um, and then part of it is government censorship. People, you know, there's the mechanical hound and there are firemen going in to burn the books and all of that. And uh, we probably focus less on that. And since you're a man of government, maybe we'll start there. <laughs> well, you know what I'd like to do is take that first part about mass media. Um, and again, an, another advantage of Malden Reads, it um, encourages us to read. Because if not for that, I could tell you just recently, you know, our communications team in the mayor's office announced that the trends that they're seeing out there is people don't even like to see things written. They want to see everything by video. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that just 10 years ago was all about writing a message, uh, a, a passage or something about what was happening in the government. Now they, they're they seeing that people want it all through 
a video. Yeah, and I mean, you know, videos can be great and they can be instructive and all of that, but there's a difference. There's the qualitative difference to reading a book versus having everything kind of portrayed for you with actors and actresses and scripts and all of that that's been pre-made and being directed at you. It doesn't use the same part of your brain. Yeah, an example of that is when Montag made it out into the woods, it really got me thinking about him traveling around with this group he had met. So that this is at the end of the book when Montag basically makes his escape and he meets a band of resistors who are just trying to keep basically the other life alive beyond the society that you see in Fahrenheit 451. And they do that by memorizing books. Right. Yep. And because they can't actually keep the books, they memorize them and they just keep repeating them because they have their minds, they have their oral history. And Montag is afraid he can't do it because he tries to he tries to read a book, you know, during you know during all of this happening, and he can't read it because he keeps getting interfered by advertising and all this stuff. And then he finds at the end something comes back to him, the last right. passage, and he's able to remember. Right. And I think another thing that I took from the book is that just, you know, heavy handedness will never work. Uh, I mean, I think we've seen that throughout time, but especially in the book that no matter how much a political entity or an organization tries to clamp down, it just will never be able to, you know, overcome, I think, people's, you know, interest uh, in trying to be free and having the ability to, you know, again, learn, grow and share with one another. Yeah, I mean, certainly the society you see in Fahrenheit is, um, I mean, it's pretty grim, but there are these resistors. There's like, well, there's the people who stay in the house while their house is being burned. It's not very pretty, but they're going down with the books. Right. And then there's, uh, there's the ones that escape and are memorizing the books. And there's the ones like Clarice that are trying to be, you know, who they are and tuned in and so forth. So... There are people that are still keeping the faith. They're still trying to, you know, hold on to what they know is is good. Right. Yeah. And that's how I try to govern myself is to really try to let uh, the free flow of communication uh, happen, no matter how bad it can be. And, you know, it's bad sometimes, particularly with the advent of social media. But at the end of the day, um, that is how... Uh, society grows is by the free flow of communication. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. You are someone who uh, I'm really probably our first mayor who really harnessed the power of social media and made government more transparent through it, which I think is a good thing. Um, There is, we've been talking a lot with our guests of, you know, there's, there's positive and there's negative sides of social media and, you know, transparency in government is a good thing. There's a lot of stuff, though, that we worry about. And this is real worry, like uh, all the data, all the privacy that we give up when we use social media. Right. Will that turn against us someday? Right. And that's why I've always been a believer that uh, the people will rise up. You know, so there are a number of times where, you know, like in the book, people have said things to me or, you know, through communication uh, that, you know, they're very upset and they're, you know, they're going to, um, you know, take action. And 
I encourage that because again, I could never see myself or the government, you know, trying to clamp down and control what people think or feel or how they see the future. I mean, I think you bundle all the ideas and thoughts and let us move forward. Mm. See what emerges from that yeah. dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely um, is this society where the government is saying, okay, in order to control the people, we need to replace their thoughts. We need only fun. We need only entertainment because the other stuff is too messy. Right. Um, I mean, that says it all right there. And so we try to avoid that. I mean, again, in this world we live in, it would be easy to probably subscribe to that um, thought process. But, you know, we certainly don't here in Malden. And I'm sure, you know, that happens across the country. There's, um, there's a passage in the book where... Um, well, it's kind of a turning point for him. I mean, Monta um, they go into the burning house and there's a woman who won't leave. And um, it says, um, the woman knelt among the books, touching the drenched leather and cardboard, reading the gilt titles with her fingers while her eyes accused Montag. You can't ever have my book, she said. You know the law, said Beatty. That's the captain. Where's your common sense? None of these books agree with each other. You've been locked up here for years with a regular damned Tower of Babel. Snap out of it. The people in these books never lived. Come on now. And of course, she stays in the house and burns with the books. And it's when Montag sees that happen that he says, there must be something in these books to make a woman stay in a burning house. Right. And it also shows that, you know, if I was the captain at some point, I'm asking myself, you know, how do, how do we do this all the time, everywhere we go? Because at the end of it, what is the, what's the end result, you know? Well, the captain is a strange character because <laughs> he, sure. he definitely like has this, he says Tower of Babel, like he knows his, his history and his stories, but yet he's, he's just turned, you know, he, he's turned to this form of control. Yeah. And, um, and it just, it's never worked throughout the history of our world. Um, I also took from him very emotionless, you know, didn't just was by the book. And, um, I just don't ever, never, ever see that taken hold, not just here, but, you know, across the world. And I think, well, unfortunately I think it does take hold, but you're right. It doesn't last. But not, it was, doesn't last. Right. Yeah. Well, you said there was a quote that you picked out that really um, uh, kind of captured you. Share yeah. that with us. We need not to be let alone. We need to be really bothered once in a while. How long is it since you were really bothered about something important, about something real? Well, it's funny. So if you look at uh, the our podcast image um, that my last guest, Elena Martinez, designed with, she wrote that on the matchbox. How long has it been since you were really bothered? And of course, that's what it was for Montag. He was bothered. That was what his turning point was. That was when he wanted things to change. Right. He woke up. Yeah, and then just relating it to today, because that's what I do with a lot of the books that Malden reads, encourages us to read, is to try to relate it to what's happening today and you know, in this time of um, self, 
satisfaction. Everything's to happen quickly and easily and with not a lot of thought. I thought this passage really put it in perspective mm-hmm. that if you want things to change, then you need to be bothered and you need to be, um, you need to think it's important. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So that's what I took from it. And that's what I tried to, um, that's how I try to function each and every day, you know, is to never stop and just shrug your shoulders and you know be okay with it. Have to keep uh, moving forward by keeping, you know, everything important and real. Mm. So, you know, I one thing that's interesting in the book is that when Montag has this awakening, he he tries to read the books, and he's been he hasn't been used to reading. He doesn't, you know, that's not been part of what he's been doing. And so he has a really difficult time. Like he picks these passages and they're kind of deep, you know, they're poetry. That's a little hard to understand. I mean, I'll admit it. I hear a poem. I've got to hear a poem like five, six Same. times before I get it, you know? Same here. And he, he's struggling with it. He's reading it and he's struggling with it. And it's interesting that Bradbury chose these difficult passages because, and, and has him struggle. It made me think, you know, it's all about that processing. It's not just, it's not easy sometimes to read. You have to work at it because, um, because what's being, because it's deeper. Right. Well, in a different way, uh, this book alone was hard to read, I thought, because of the, I'm used to uh, having multiple chapters, you know, so when you do five, six, seven pages, you know, I, I did it. This, I think, was broken into three sections, if I'm not... Just three sections. Yeah. It was a very short book, but you did have <laughs> so you to read it, it differently. Yeah, yeah because you, it's it's kind of... Uh, yeah, you, you definitely have to approach it in a different way. And I didn't really... The first time I read it through, it, it didn't quite get it, you know? Yeah. It was, it was when I listened to it, I listened to the audiobook and then read it again. Yep. And suddenly it was like, oh, well, there's a lot in here. Yeah, I thought another thing that helped him, though, is he tried to figure out um, you know, the meaning behind the books and, and, and to understand uh, what he had was making sure you never forget, don't be afraid to meet new people. So I think it was, was it Clarice? Mm-hmm. I think that was, yeah. So when he met that character, uh, that was someone that you wouldn't think he would be associated with. Yeah. But he was, and I thought she helped him take that further step. Absolutely. She, yeah. she spoke to him. Right. She, uh, she reached him right at the right moment. And right. just the way that she was and seeing how connected she was. Um, it's not really highlighted as much as I, you would think, but I thought she played a key role. If definitely. not for her, I'm not sure he ultimately no. might I, have gone. That was definitely know. her role. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so some interesting things. Um, I don't know if you noticed that there were references to war going on in the background in the book. There was only a few references, um, but it was like in the background. It wasn't part of people's, it was just there and people didn't even notice it. And I thought that was interesting because in a way, we've sort of become like that. Right. You know, we don't have a draft anymore, so it's possible to 
if the war is not taking place on our soil to just go about our day and not pay attention to it. Right. Um, and again, a further reminder that you must pay attention because if you don't, then a society like this one could emerge. That's why you can never, what I, what we try to talk about all the time at, you know, we're a municipality, not a country, but you know, in Malden is you just can never stop because if you do, then, you know, something like what happened in this book could happen here and, and across the country. So it says here, Jesus, God said, Montag, every hour, so many damn things in the sky. How in hell did those bombers get up there every single second of our lives? Why doesn't someone want to talk about it? We've started and won two atomic wars since 2022, which is, by the way, the only reference to time in this book. Is it because we're having so much fun at home we've forgotten the world? Is it because we're so rich and the rest of the world's so poor and so we just don't care if they are? So it's got a, you know, and that's pretty buried in the book, but it's another thing that's brought out is this um, war, you know, right. that, that we ignore. I remembered it, and, uh, you know, it stood out to me because that's why I try to, you know, not just, fo I try to focus all my energy on Malden, but I also try to remain aware of what's happening across our country and the world. Well, of course, at every um, city council meeting and so forth, there's that moment of silence for, for our, our armed services. Troops, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, now, let me ask you, did you watch the movie? I have not seen the movie. I've been, um, we're going to be showing it at the library, but I was trying to watch it at home and you can't get a copy of it. There's the old movie and that's the one you can't get a copy of. Um, it, it's, it's but you can't download it anywhere. I tried Netflix, Amazon Prime, um, and it doesn't. It's not oh, so there. That's like the original, or that's the original. Ah, so okay. that was it. It actually was an art film. It was uh, Francois Truffaut who made the film. Um, and from what I've heard, and we're going to actually uh, Diana Zhang is going to come as a guest, and we're going to talk about the film. But first of all, we both need to see it. Um, but it. Bradbury liked the film. It was very different from the book, though. They changed a lot of them. And that's the what you're going to be showing? That's what we're going to be oh, showing. Wow, okay. Yeah. So a little yeah. later in the month, we're going to be showing that at the library. So it'll be interesting because yeah. it is a very different take on the book. Um, but Bradbury embraced it. He he liked it because yeah. it was, he, he was around for it. So yeah. um, I saw the more modern one, and as always, the book... Was yeah, I heard some funny criticism about the new, the newer version, but I have not seen that either, so I shouldn't yeah. comment. A little on futuristic, it. but as you always say, when you read the book, your mind wanders. You like that out in the woods scene. I was just trying to picture that, which I wouldn't watch in the movie. You know, right. the movie, your your phone's on. You, you know, like uh, I was reading, the book forces you, you know, to really get into it and try to place yourself in with. Montag as he's uh, making his escape. That's what I felt like. You know, you're concentrating. You're, you know, sort of in the moment. Right. Whereas you're not with a with a film. Right. Right. Okay, we're gonna take a short break right now, and we'll be back. Now in its tenth year, the mission of Malden Reads One City, One Book is to promote literacy a love of reading, and building community in the city of Malden, Massachusetts. This year's program, called the NEA Big Read Malden, is supported in part by a grant 
from the NEA Big Read, an initiative of the National Endowment of the Arts in partnership with the Arts Midwest. To learn more about Malden Reads and the NEA Big Read Malden program, visit maldenreads.org. And we're back, and my guest is Mayor Gary Christensen, Mayor of Malden. Um, so, actually, uh, I found this quote in here um, that was obviously um, Bradbury. This is a celebration of books. This is so much um, uh, about the importance of books. But there is one passage that gives that says it's not only about books, and it says this is when he's talking to Faber, who is the person who helps him to escape. Right. He says, um, it's not books you need. It's some of the things that once were in books. The same thing could be in the parlor families today. The same infinite detail and awareness could be projected through the radios and televisors, but are not. No, no, it's not books at all you're looking for. Take it where you can find it, in old phonograph records, old motion pictures, and in old friends. Look for it in nature and look for it in yourself. Books were only one type of receptacle where we stored a lot of things we were afraid we might forget. There is nothing magical in them at all. The magic is only in what books say, how they stitched the patches of the universe together into one garment for us. Perfect segue, because I have books everywhere, and it's not the book itself, but every time I walk by them and glance... The memories of the book. Mm. That's what I... This is the one thing I feel like, you know, people read on the Kindle, and occasionally I do read on the Kindle, and it's fine. It's just another form of reading, but you miss that books on a bookshelf, you know? Absolutely. I love to go to someone's house and look at what books they have on their bookshelf, because <laughs> you can tell so much what, what influenced them when, yep. you, when yeah. you see those books. Yeah, if you went through mine, I'm sure you could probably imagine... <laughs> A lot of Kennedy books and uh, mm. issues of the day. And mm -hmm. I still refer back to them, you know, once in a while. I mean, there's a book, uh, The Coming Economic Collapse. Uh, I still, you know, look back on when we're coming upon one mm -hmm. as a reference mm -hmm. that I don't think I otherwise would have through the internet or a Kindle or something like that, having the book in my hand. And the other <laughs> thing is my favorite gift you, that I like to give to people used to be books. Right. And then it's like, or, or music, like a CD, but you can't do that anymore. You can't give a gift as a download. Right, <laughs> right, right. It's just, you can't do it. So, right. <laughs> but, um, now yeah. let me ask you, what's been the feedback on the book? Is it too premature yet? Uh, well, it's been mixed. I think people, um, actually people seem to be very glad that we chose the book. But when we had the last book discussion, a lot of people said, I didn't quite get it, or I, I'm not usually a science fiction reader, you know? So they were a little bit more tentative about it, but then once we got the discussion going, everybody was like, oh, you know? So, and then a lot of people have just said, no, this was a great book. I, I remember it, and it and, or I read, read it, and it just feels so relevant today. Yeah. So it's been either or, um, but it has been a little bit different than our other books. It's less about the story and more about the the relevance. Now, I know you're the host, but I got to ask you this question. Is it too early to ask you where this one ranks in all 10 that you've done? You know, I, I feel... Are they all different? They're so different yeah, every yeah. year and every year because of the themes, we connect with different groups and we sure. bring out different issues. And so I have like 
my heart is with each special each, memory. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So this, you know, this kind of stands alone from the other ones, you know. Yeah, the one that still jumps out to me, and it's still really relevant based on uh, the presidential race, is the immortal life of Henrietta. The Immortal Lacks. Life of Henrietta Lacks by yeah. Rebecca Skloot. About the whole disparities in the healthcare system. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. That, that was a really that, interesting. You had us read that, and that is still relevant and predominant today. Yeah. 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 So, again, another advantage of Malden Reads that no way would I have read that book if not for the organization. Mm. Yeah. So. That's so great. Yeah. But back to this. Uh, yeah. So, so you know, one of the, so I'll, I'll kind of uh, relate this to an upcoming event for Malden Reads. The, the bottom line is, um, well, I guess, did you find the book to be hopeful? Yes. Okay. Because despite the beginning, when <laughs> I thought it was <laughs> over, you know, Montag emerged and, and stuck with it. And um, again, going through the woods and not giving up, even though that mechanical hound sounded ominous and was yeah, on him. Yeah, he just yeah. refused to give up and continued to believe, you know. Yeah, and and before we get to the hopeful part, I I, I can't underscore. I mean, the the thing that does really worry you is the data privacy. I mean, every time you open up an account, a social media account, a comp online account of any sort, the first thing you do is you you don't want to read all that stuff. You just click agree because you want to go on. You've just given up your privacy. Now this is all for companies for commercial purposes, but that data is being stored. We don't know how it's going to be used now or you know in the future uh it's all there all mm. everything about you all your preferences all you know we we know it all the time because it comes up on your phone these are real concerns we are giving up our privacy in ways that we never imagined we would for convenience well, sake. yeah i think in my role in the business we're in that's never been an issue for us because no matter what we did our privacy is exposed <laughs> every day through uh, all the different social mediums. So we're kind of used to that, but I guess for someone who's well, not, on a personal on level, on a personal level, yeah, but, pers but you know, even there is no personal level when you're in the roles that we're in. Mm. That's what I've found. Um, but for someone that's not, yeah, I could see that, you know, being an issue and not quite sure how to address it, but um, you know, we're circumspect now on everything because of, privacy and data and collection and preferences and what you just said. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, well, we are going to be having an upcoming event um, with Sam Weller, who's Ray Bradbury's official biographer and Hiawatha Bray, who's a technology writer for the Boston Globe talking about um, that very issue about how we love our tools and our technology, but what do we give up when we do that? And what are the implications of that? And how can we balance the downside of technology with the convenience and the things that we right. like about it. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear what their ideas are because we certainly haven't figured out any based on our day-to-day, uh, -day, you know, business here in Malden. But in terms of the hopeful part, I, you know, w what is striking in the story is is people have forgotten history. They forget history, which is something that happens. We forget history, right? That's mm -hmm. what they say. That those were who are forget history or doomed to repeat it, what have you, but, um, and people forget their personal stories. And so what we are doing as our capstone event for Malden Reads is we are hosting a m mass memories roadshow. 
Um, that's a that's a project with UMass Boston where they go uh, into communities and work with the community to hold a big event where people bring in personal photographs and share those photographs and tell the stories of those photographs. And then those photographs and stories are digitized and archived in sort of a Library of Congress kind of archive um, that will be for future generations. So it's kind of a snapshot of the community and their personal histories and their community's history. Um, and it's an event where people are connecting. So, so is this similar to what uh, Diana Zhang just wrote about her family? Yes. That was an excellent story. I read that beginning to end. What an amazing journey. Yeah, so we're yeah. telling stories of people in the community and yeah. what they what they bring to the community. And so I know yeah. you've invited our office to participate, and I think the angle, you know, or uh, what we're thinking of is just how we got our start. It still amazes me that... Um, Malden was the first to declare independence when everybody else was mulling it over and debating whether or not they wanted to be, it was worth the risk of being part of a free country. Uh, Malden said, we'll go first. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So, and there's a lot of photographs and pictures, you know, that we could help, you know, participate with. Yeah. I mean, really the event is for people from the community to come in and bring their personal stories, but right. they can choose those photos. There's photos based on their connection to the community if they wish. Yep. So, and then they, from that, you know, you get a snapshot of the community. Um, yeah. So it's really all about remembering our histories, remembering our stories and connections, all the things that are more or less an antidote for everything that happens in the book. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's negative. Right. Yeah. And that's what we were thinking if, um, you know, cause I think they were talking about, Malden's memory. And so that was the one that really, you know, as we talked about it, still blows us away that, you know, they were willing, they actually even told the Second Continental Congress that um, as they debated the Declaration of Independence, there was no need to get back to Malden if they changed or amended or whatever they did to it, because we were so committed to the cause. That's awesome, and that's why every 4th of July we read our Malden Declaration Down of Independence. Yep. Go Malden. <laughs> well, we actually are at the end of our time, but as always, it's always so great to talk with you and to know that you are um, not only a reader, which is always good to know <laughs> of our elected officials, um, but that you are such a community supporter and really, um, you know, that you really value the people um, and the groups that are here in the city and that you show that support all the time. We're only as good as. So again, that's why I wanted to say thank you. Uh, just the other day, we celebrated Read Across America. And as I was talking to the um, kindergartners, you know, it, I was thinking of Malden Reads and just... I told these students, you know, the one thing that they should be doing as much as they can is read, read, and read. So hopefully they'll do that, and uh, they'll be out of Malden Reads one day. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, well, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank On to you. the warming center yes. tonight. <laughs> uh, this is Ann Durso-Rose, co-facilitator for Malden Reads, One City, One Book. This podcast is recorded at MATV, soon to be UMA, Urban Media Arts. Visit matv.org for more information. Podcast graphic created by Elena Martinez. All music composed and recorded by John Garnis and Robbie Beeland. For more information about this podcast, visit maldenreads.org slash podcast.